And now, dear God, before this message, we invite your presence to this tabernacle. We have heard your word. We have read your holy words. We have read your words for all nations. We have read that your house is a house of prayer. We have read that you want to bless all nations. We have read that you want to let this land give its increase for the salvation of the souls. We have read that you have interested in all peoples everywhere. You're interested in the Muslims. And that light must go forth as the brothers did sing. The light and truth must go forth. They must lead us and then go forth to others and use our dear brother tonight to stir our hearts, to give us a vision, to help us understand our place in this world and anoint him as he speaks, encourage him with words and bless him as he this hour feeds us and teaches us from your word. Would you bless this congregation and give us understanding of your will for us in this important area of ministering to the needy people of the world, especially this so very, very large nation of people. Would you bless, O oh God, tonight? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I trust this day has been a a refining, refreshing, heart-filling day for all of you. I know many of you are tired, but I believe tonight the Lord is going to refresh us. The Lord is going to refresh our souls, where we will find rest, where we'll find the peace. The Lord tonight also will break some strongholds. I trust this message has uh, spoke to me, to my heart, and is so endearing to many lives. They will speak to your hearts as well tonight. Bear with me. It's not, I'm not qualified for this message because I will be going into some territories that I don't know much about. So I want you bear with me. I want you to give me your patience, your hearts. Correct me if I'm wrong. I stand to be corrected. Take what is true. Take what is true. Throw away the rest. I'll be honest with you. In John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 32, John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The reason that the Lord has put in my heart this two verses, because I felt the need to share with you, and as Brother Dale has mentioned the title, the missionary, the Anabaptist, and the Muslim. In my understanding, we have to be freed from certain things in this title. So I wanted to tackle that first. By helping you, and some of you know this already, to understand why would a missionary or an Anabaptist or a Muslim be freed? And be freed from what? Our God is a missionary God. Our God is a missionary God. He sent forth His prophets to the children, the chosen ones in time past in history, to tell them about His glory, 
who he is. In the Old Testament, we see many prophets that had come to the nation of Israel, starting back then with our father Abraham. You know what had happened. Abraham had to leave his home, his country, from Iraq, a Chaldean, in the land of Ur, and had to travel much to get to the east where God the Father, Jehovah, wanted him to be. Many things have happened since. Many other prophets had come to that land to help people turn around from their sinful nature, from iniquity and infirmity towards their God to worship the true God. Then come Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ taught in marketplaces, in the cities and towns, at the ports, and gathered to himself twelve disciples, make them students of his. Close to the end of his ministry, he sent them out, empowered them with the Holy Ghost, because he's the same and the one that had come before to Abraham and to all the other prophets, sending them out to the nation of Israel. Today, he's sending them out, as we had shared earlier in the verses, to the utmost places in the earth. Now we see that this God is a zealous, is a jealous God over his creation. He does not want us to believe any other God or follow any other God or make ourselves an other idol. He deserves, he merits, he's worthy of all praise and honor, glory to his name in the house of the Holy Most God. This God also sent wrath to the children of Israel when they disobeyed. And today we are no different than those children of Israel. Today we are the children of Israel in application. Today we can call him Abba Father. And he hearkens his ears to us. And he says, yes, my children. Anyone in this room that does not have that understanding tonight. In that case, let me tell you a little bit of what I've learned. And I might be wrong. Please correct me later on as we step outside. Matthew 28, 18, 19 says... Very well known verse. All power is given to me, unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name and the name of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. While I was meditating this afternoon in my spirit, the spirit of the Lord fell upon me. He said this to me. There must be some omen that needs to be broken tonight right here in this house. Let me say that again. There must be an omen that needs to be broken right here tonight. Let me explain why. When I became a Christian, attending church, I used to hear about our forefathers. The pastor will stand and preach about his forefathers. I'm thinking right away about Abraham Lincoln. Thomas Jefferson, and so forth. As the message went on, I realized, no, no, no. 
This is not what the man is talking about. So who are these forefathers? I tried to think about the first and the early church that the disciples had built. Apostle Paul. I said, that cannot be. If this man, Mennonites, can go back that far in lineage and speak of the Apostle Paul and the disciples as forefathers, wow, I was intrigued. It still didn't click in my mind. And so the question remained in my mind. And one day, I'm in Bible school study, and I run into a man by the name Walter Beachy, who became my teacher, and he taught me Anabaptist history. Only then, I found out that the pastor who was preaching that day on the pulpit, speaking of his forefathers, was speaking of men I have no knowledge about, no history about. You go around the world, you will not find on a, an open library about this man that I'll be mentioning to you soon. Keep in mind what I have shared a little bit ago. Most of you know about uh, 1492, Columbus traveling in a ship. When he lost all hope, he thought there is no land, that we're going to perish. There he sees it. All the eyes of the world were on him. And I'm talking Europe at the time. Came back and shared what he saw. Only to find people that fighting among themselves. They killing each other. There is plague. So much sickness and death around Europe at those days. What history that I've learned does not teach is that there was a, a window of a group of people that had enough of Catholicism and the teaching of Catholicism. And they were seeking. And their founder, the leader, Martin Luther. When I stopped and started reading about Martin Luther and the teaching that he had come upon, it opened a new and a respect for me to this group of people. I will be going quickly into this because I want to go to where God wants us to hear from Him this evening as why we're talking about this subject. Why is it so endearing? Why is it so important to us to understand and break this omen that I had mentioned before that you're anxiously waiting to want to know what is this omen you're talking about? I will be mentioning names such as Zwingli, very familiar names, the early teachings of Zwingli, a student of Martin Luther, who him in turn turn to teach other priests and pastors, qualified priests and pastors in the Catholic Church and other churches at the time. And this was happening in the country of Switzerland, and then moved on from Switzerland to Germany and to Holland, and as well to France, and summoned to the mountainous Pyrenees of the Ital Italian country. I'll mention some names that are familiar to you, and I want the Lord and the Holy Spirit to help you think what you're going to think when I mention these names. Do they have any weight within your hearts and mind when I mention these names? I'm not doing justice to this man because I'm leaving out so many others. But the few I will mention, Michael Settler. 
Felix Munz, George Blowrock, Conrad Grebel, O.B. and Kirk Phillips, Munsters, Huns, Manu Simons. I have a long list. I can go on with these names. What do you think about these names? Bless these names, O Lord. This is the very man that shaped the Reformation, that shaped the Reformation and everything that who you have become today with their blood. They were not terrorists carrying bombs into Switzerland and Holland and Germany. They were terrorists because they had a belief that the Catholic Church rejected and wanted to stone them, burn them at the stake, drown them in, in the rivers, child, mothers, fathers, no mercy on their hearts, on their souls. Somewhere even dead in their cells, they were brought, the body, what's left of it, was brought in the court to be judged and put onto the altar and be killed or burned at the stake while the man was dead already. The word that comes to my mind, and my English is a third language, but bouleversé, that means strike me down. It did strike me down in my spirit. What did this man do? Too much to make these people hate them with passion, to want to put them on the stake and fire them alive living. What did they do? To deserve such a punishment and a chastisement. What message do they carry that is so offensive to the Catholic and the Roman Catholic in Europe? Who are these people? I will pray that you will go home tonight or after this weekend. That you will go back to your books of history to your last names and find out where you come from and who is the man that was part of your lineage that carried on some of these tortures, this horrific bloodshedding. I want you to find out where you come from and the price they have paid for your freedom to be here today. I'm not putting anybody on a pedestal. I'm not putting down anybody either. I want our hearts to be felt with the Holy Ghost tonight. So we understand that this gospel is not the deluded gospel that we hear all around us all year round. Brother Dale has shared a little bit ago about a man speaking about Christianity to be pornographic and Hollywood and all that stuff that's happening in the world. And all of us are guilty of it because we partook some in a small or big way in it. That is not Christianity. Christianity stands for honor, honorable to the Most High. Because our Lord Jesus, worthy of all praise, is honorable. The reason I'm sharing this treasure with you that became endearing to my heart. That this man and women paid a high price for following Jesus Christ. For standing for what they believed. For running the mantle as far to the world. And landed right here in the U.S. in the 1669, something like that. A few years ago, while I uh, talking to a few brothers, there was uh, an information that was given to me. And it opened a new horizon in my understanding 
of why we are the way we are, and I'm including myself, if you don't mind me say, the Mennonites. Let me go back a little bit before we get to that. These people had to run for their lives. Sadly, some people fought. They took weapons and fought against the the Catholics, the soldiers. But it was just a group. But the majority stood firm in the non-resistance of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that Jesus stands for. And they didn't fight back. And that's why they were put on a stick and be burned alive with smile on their faces and testimony in their mouth, if not a song or a prayer, while they gave their spirit to the Lord. This men and women, as the knowledge of this wonderful man that carried this mantle, this message, sola fida, sola scriptura, by faith alone and only scripture. These people that carried the message that the, be- the believer only has the right to be baptized because of his faith. No children with no knowledge of good versus evil should be baptized. Understanding the kingdom of heaven that the Lord Jesus came to preach to us. Understanding that the communion time, the bread and the wine, it's really not the real blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. These people understood the symbolism behind it and the teaching, the true teaching of Jesus Christ. And they did not go silent. You can't be a radical, you can't be a reformer by being silent. You do not stand for something, you fall for everything. And so time had come to stand for something for this man. And they carried that torch, running for their lives. The joy of the Lord was their strength. While they're scared, they put a foot over the other. And they kept going, scared, courageous, scared, courageous, baptizing each other, going home to home. A few years ago, I took my wife to Paris. And I have a a Muslim brother-in-law who is a a hajj. That means he visited the pilgrimage of Mecca. And you don't dare to mess with him when it comes to Islam and religion because he'll set you down. And he said, I will take you to the city on Sunday morning. My wife and I wanted to sneak out to go visit a church that is made up of believers like myself who left Islam and now are followers of Jesus the Most High. And I couldn't tell him that because I had made a promise to my sister. The only way I could go visit her and stay with her and her husband if I don't say anything to him about my conversion. And I could not say anything because he was going to divorce my sister, beat her up first, has 20 years of life with her, and I did not want to endanger her. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I did not have to go far for him to find out. My speech, the joy of the Lord in my face, the words I use, they're not Muslims. I have peace in my heart. He couldn't understand. He's driving with me. He tells me, You're always this happy? I said, I'm not sure. Ask my wife. (laughs) They came to my home when I lived in Florida. And they found out that I was Christian. Not only a Christian. I'm a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm glad for it. Glad for the power that it represents into my heart. Nevertheless, that day, he dropped us at a market. And he stayed there watching us while we snuck in from one tent to the next in that marketplace 
and getting far away from him. And I could see him way back in the back there watching until we faded away from his side. At that day, we crossing the streets in Montparnasse, Paris, France, on those paved streets. And I'm walking, my wife beside me. I said, honey, do you know that back in the 1500, 1600, right here in this place, on a Sunday morning, you hear the bells of the Catholic Church. But there was a small group of men and women. They will not walk in the big streets as we are now. They will go in the back alleys to meet in homes, preach the true gospel, baptize each other, and have the joy of the Lord, and keep on taking the message to the utmost places. I said to her, I feel that place right now. I trembled. The Lord gave me a glimpse of what it was like, looking over my shoulder, see if my brother-in-law is seeing me entering the church or not scared for my life, for the sake of my sister, but yet going, scared and courageous. I came that far to understand your forefathers and what they had to go through when they met checkpoints, when they had to hide in, in places, when they had to run to farms, when they had to go to the mountainous areas where they couldn't farm no more. It's all rocky in the harsh weather far away from the soldiers, and they had to work hard that winter. Couldn't make it, many of them. You need to understand and keep it. Hearken to your ears and to your hearts to understand where you come from, folks. What your forefathers have paid a high price for you to be free in this country today, to worship and exalt His name as you do in the freedom of Christ. Your fathers, forefathers did not have that privilege. Many went to the Pyrenees in the mountains of Switzerland and Italy and hid there in caves and lived there trying to be crafty to make something so they can have food because they couldn't farm because of the harsh land, rocky mountains. Some of you heard for the, the, the Waldensians. They couldn't carry a Bible. If they were found with a Bible, they would be burned and killed in, in, a, in, in the worst way possible. Today, as Brother Dale called the men and women to share memory of verses, it reminded me of the Waldenians, Waldesians. Forgive me if I say that wrong. They made their children to memorize the entire Bible. They made their children to memorize the entire Bible. For when they have a Bible study, and there is no paper, no Bible. The children will be out of memory saying those verses to them. They were crafty. They will make silk fabric and cashmere and all kind of fabrics. And the Lord gave them the power to take the gospel in those fabrics to rich people. And he will sell it to them. And they will open. Just have a glimpse. A glimpse in your vision, in your hearts of what that must be like. Today, brothers and sisters went openly giving out tracts to people, talking to them about the Lord. These people did not have that privilege. They would come out with folded fabrics. And in that fabrics, there'll be a chapter of the gospel. And they will trust a man or rich man or woman quietly say, this is my best fabric I made for you. 
And they will open it and say, yes, here is the money. I love it. And that rich man or woman will give their life to Jesus because of reading the word of God. That was impossible to be found those days. And if they were found, they would be killed instantly. You're talking about missionaries for God, for the kingdom. Your forefathers, look back in your history. There were a group of people that I heard about. They came down to France. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're, you're looking for a place to carry your children so they can have a, a next piece of bread, a place they can call home, a farm, a stable, anything they can turn into a home? They were not given a chance to do that because of what they believed into. I heard about this group that came to France and met with some farmers and said, we come in need. Could you help us? We'll work for you. We'll farm your lands for you. The man said, sure, I have no problem with that, but with one condition. You have to put your hand against my hand. It's an Arabic way to do business deals, maybe American as well. That you make a promise that you will never speak about your gospel, baptism, or rebaptize, or your ways, and we will let you. And these people shook hands and agreed upon that. Not sure if you're aware that a few years ago, I think it was right here in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure where, a group of French people who studied their background, who have found out that they had made some Mennonites a deal to be silent, and they had come to this country asking for forgiveness of their grand and great children. Have you heard about them? There was a big tent meeting. There was a lots of forgiveness. There was a lot of tears of men that had heard from their grandfathers that they were told not to speak. And I promise you that here in this house tonight, there are people that do not speak. And they just don't know why. Because there was a deal made back then. We shared this morning that Christianity is only so much. To complete it, you have to do the Great Commission. And in order to do that, one time or another, you have to speak up. A brother that is here with us in this house, a great teacher, taught me once after I asked him questions. I say, brother, why do the Mennonites don't preach the gospel to the streets, to the world around them? They have everything that it takes. They wear the right clothes, and they wear the right beard, and they speak softly. They're polite. They're handy. They're crafty. They're knowledgeable, intelligent. They had the Lord Jesus in their hearts. They led me to Christ. How come I'm one in a million? Why they can't take this gospel out? Lead other THs like me to the Lord. So we in turn take that torch and carry it out to our countries. You know what that brother said? And I didn't ask him this way, okay? So I'm dramatizing right now. It was a very nice way around table with food. But he said, we wear that way. When the Queen of England gave us freedom to come on ships and, and land on this land here, many of our forefathers did just that. But because the freedom and the blessings of the Lord of the land that had given them, over generations after generations, they built their communities. And children grown up and got married, and they have their own children. And those, there goes the work of the Lord out of the window. And they get entangled with their businesses, with their fortunes they made, with their hay, with their horses, and with their good food. And they forgot what they had come here for. 
Many had went to Russia, as far as Russia. Many of you have done your history. You know they were the richest people in that land, were the Mennonites. And when the revolution came, whom they got first? The Mennonites. Now they're in Canada, they're in Mexico, they're in Belize, Costa Rica, and so forth. Do not miss my heart, brothers and sisters. I'm not here to judge you. Today is the day we break that omen. We break free from the chains of Satan. Today is the day we come out and speak out in the freedom that Christ Jesus has given us. And if I'm preaching to the wrong crowd, please tell me. I'll take my message somewhere else. Thank you, sir. Can you believe this? Muslims give 2.5% of their annual tithes. They call it the alms. 2.5. There is an international Muslim bank where the rich people put their money into. It's a collective, communal. For what? For the sake of their kingdom. So they can build a mosque all over this country, in every country in the world. Let me share with you this as well. A few months ago, I moved to New Jersey. The heart's been boiling inside. The Lord telling me I need to go for his souls are waiting in New Jersey. It has been a graveyard to Christianity. It's been a stronghold in the territory for the enemy, a playground for the devil. Churches has been remodeled into mosques in New Jersey. Christians are selling out to Islam. I made the letter. My wife wrote it for me and put it in an envelope and start heading out to pastors of churches. How you doing, sir? Pastor so-and-so, how you doing? My name is so-and-so. And I'm here to build a church, the church for Jesus Christ. Sure, yes, we're already a church here, good. But uh, who are you? What kind of church? We were Muslims, and we've been freed. Now we followers of Jesus, and we like to have our own identity. So we teach the right teaching of the Bible. We don't want to become denominational. And this pastor looks at me, he said, I'm sorry, I took that message to my board. The word Muslim scared them. We can't have you come and worship with us here. Just the other day, I work in a very busy, if not the largest Muslim community in the Northeast. I go into this Syrian shop. It's called Nori's. When you see outside of the window, they have all kind of ornaments they sell beside groceries. And you've seen them, how they have their groceries here. They sell you groceries and right beside them, next shelf is books and next shelf is God knows what it is. Hay or whatever, horse feed or you name it. But anyway, while in there, I see all these Muslim verses. You've been in Muslim homes. You know how they put verse after verse and surah after surah in their walls. They call that protection from the evil ones. They protect themselves with verses. And I say to this man who is supposedly a Christian man, a Syrian Orthodox, who has made so much money in that area, selling food and selling Muslim ornaments. This is crazy with sound. Ten minutes prior to that, I was at this restaurant called Kuma, the, the, the dome, the summit. And it's from Palestine. The man there sees me. He says, who are you? I said, I'm just a man, a stranger. He says, but what do you do? I say, I work for the church of Jesus Christ. He said, I write. I'm a Muslim man, but I love to visit churches. But what I do beside the cash register here in this restaurant, 
I write beautiful words, verses, and make them, put them in big frames, and have the people buy them and take them to their home, give them as gifts. He said, I would love to do something for the church. I would love, you give me the verses and I take them and I will write them. You just give me the material. I said, Lord Jesus, this is amazing. A Muslim who's willing to sit there and write the Lord's Prayer in Arabic. In the best writing. There are seven writings in the Arabic language. And he tops them all. So I got my sandwich and I go across the street to this Syrian Orthodox who's Christian. And I go to him, I said, look, man, I have a great idea for you. For the kingdom of Jesus Christ, let us put hands to hands together. You see these verses that you put of the Muslims here? Muslims, Christians, atheists, everybody gets to read them because they're in your face. How about we start putting some verses just as beautiful as this in nice frames of the Lord's Prayer? Verses from the New Testament. So when Muslims come in, not only they shop, but they get intrigued because they don't understand this verse. They've never seen it before. But they're going to want to know what is that. No, sir, we don't do that here. I said, I beg your pardon. He said, no, sir, we don't do that here. We don't want to offend our Muslim brothers. I said, excuse me, are you a Christian? He said, yes. I said, you and I, we're going to stand at the judgment one day. Aren't you afraid for your soul? You're almost 60. How long you think you have here on this earth? You're ashamed of Jesus Christ and his gospel? What are you going to tell him? God bless you. And I shook the dust of my shoulder, walked away. Now here, a paradox. A Muslim who is willing to do the work or Christian and to do the work of evangelism, not knowing. A Christian who is not willing. A Christian who is not willing to do the gospel for his people, the Muslims. Brothers, those strongholds has to be broken. Unless we show ourselves in their streets. Unless we invite them to our homes so they can watch how we live. I was so blessed. One time I went with a brother that is here as well. This one I can say his name. His name's Ephraim. And he took us to a mosque in Philly. We divided. I think big group went to about four or five mosques. But the owner of the company he works, Ephraim works with, is a Yemeni. Short fella. Him and I, we got to talk. What Ephraim did is that he worked with these people. He went to them and he said, I want to work for you people. And they said, why you want to work for us? I want to bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to make you Christians. They laughed. And from so much laughter, they hired him. <laughs> he can tell you that story better than I do. Ephraim, the Lord pondered in his heart to bring the gospel to these Yemeni people, these Muslims right there in Philly. He didn't wait. He didn't say, I don't have the words. I don't speak Arabic. I don't know anything about Islam. I, I, I don't understand the Quran. I don't know who Muhammad is. He went for it. The Lord put the words in his mouth. The Lord orchestrated his steps. The Lord went before him, opened the doors. And the Lord is at work in my brother and through him. That man was invited by Ephraim, him, his son, his wives, and his children and grandchildren. They all went at the invitation of Ephraim and his dear wife and family to their home in Pennsylvania. I had no knowledge of that. How would I know that, Brother Ephraim? Because the man told me. And in our discussion and conversation, he said, those people, the Mennonites and the Amish, they are so sweet. They have everything you would want to have in, in this life. 
I said, what do you mean? They're rich. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about money. He said, look at us. We're Arabs. We have money. We have oil. We build mosques. We do all these things. But we are hypocrites. We are angry. We have bitterness. Me against my brother. Me and my brother against my father and so forth. He said, we are corrupt. Our governments are corrupt. We kill each other for nothing. We hurt our women, our children with words of death. He said, these people have nothing like that. These people are totally the opposite. He said, I really cherish this group of people. I said, really? Well, that's a blessing to hear. This is a fresh breath of air for me to hear that from a Muslim man. He said, at the exception, if they only do the Shahada, which is the confession of faith for the Muslim to say, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is prophet, that makes you become a Muslim. But I said, brother, you just finished telling me that we are corrupt and that we are thieves and we are liars and we are cheaters. And if they become Muslim, they're going to be cheaters and liars too. He said, you really hit on that one. No, they better stay with it. Now you see, uh, uh, what the Lord was doing is stirring up this man's heart. How we conduct that conversation, it tells you how we're going to finish with that. Muslims are just endearing. They see something good, they recognize it, they want it, and you have it. So you're going to sit there silent and not share with excitement of what the Lord has given you all these years. Are you going to look at the price as your forefathers have paid for you to be free today, being here, having all this teaching coming to you freely? Are you going to stand for something? I wanted to play a little video for you. If it's offensive to you, come and hit me on the neck, on the door. I'll be glad to take it. This video may cheer, cheer your heart. It might, it might stir you up a little more to see what the Lord is doing in terms of visions and dreams. I come from the country of Algeria. And in Algeria, about 13 years ago, the Lord himself came down in dreams and visions to a whole village. You don't have to take my word for it. Type AlgerianChristians.com. Go to Google, you're all equipped with that knowledge. Find out for yourselves. I'm going to give you just a little glimpse of what Algeria has become since. 34 million of Muslims, minus me and 150,000 others today. Praise the Lord. Praise His name. Ten years ago, that was impossible. That was unheard of. Today, they are praising God, worshiping with no outside influence. The Word of God was their influence. But in the meantime, when missions heard what's happening in Algeria, the ethnic cleansing has been done. Muslims killed so many of us. Algerians, Brotherhood, Muslim Brotherhood, and Salafis, and all those. And finally, the Algerian Muslims said, enough of Islam. It's full of lies. It does not hold any truth. And we are seeking for something else. And when they came to their that place, the Lord Jesus descended in their dreams and vision, showed himself to them. The next morning, this town, this little village, up in the mountain, they meet in coffee shops. They drink a lot of mint tea and coffee in the morning. My teeth are all rotten because of that. And they're all politicians, so they're all with newspapers. There are no jobs, so they have to sit in a coffee shop all day, play games. One after the other, after the other, after the other started sharing. What happened? I saw a dream last night, and a man in a white blouse. The other one said, me too. The other said, I saw him, I think it's Jesus. 
and nobody told them. And they start telling each other that all of them, the same night, they saw the same person. Give him glory. Give him glory. Jesus Christ, his name, the name above all names. The true gospel of Jesus Christ. When God himself descend from heaven, give his life for you and I. It's no joke. Otherwise, you and I, hopeless despair, going to hell. So, scream and shout and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving my life. Watch a little bit this video. These men and women here, they've never met the gospel before. They've never seen anything like it before. To see men with white hair or no hair, they're close to their time to end on this earth, have made a tr tragic decisions into their lives to become followers of Jesus. And must something must have happened. Something powerful must have happened to them. Something powerful must Felix Munns and George Brorock and William Sattler. They must have had something that angered, something powerful that angered Satan. Something powerful must have happened to these men and women to leave everything they've learned all their lives, throw it out of the window in the garbage and take Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, to sing to Him. I got word that the least church in Algeria now, every state has a church. Almost all of them are underground still, but few in the capital. They are on the ground with a, an erected building on the cross on top of it, and they worship in freely these days. All the other states are still underground, hiding from officials and from the Muslim brotherhoods who are very angered. The least church has 200 people attendance every Sunday. The number one church has 1,200 people attend every Sunday. In attendance number, and hear me well, in attendance number, Algeria now has become number three country, Arab country, Muslim country, that has the most numbers of people that worship the Lord Jesus in the church on a very every Sunday. These very same people saw the dreams and visions and came to believe and they gave their life to Jesus. So many people are coming every Sunday that they have no place in their place of worship to put out everything, everybody in. They hire security guard to stand. While they're coming to worship, Muslims stand at the door with their beard and uh, sometimes a uh, big piece of wood wanting to be beat up Christians and not let them come into the buildings to worship. At times, the Christians come to their building, it's burned to the, to the ground. And I have pictures of burned Bibles. And they gather around and they wait till everybody get there. And they walk with joy and praises and songs right into the woods. And they gather around the fire and they worship Jesus. Men have stepped out and sold land and gave money to the church to be built in Algeria. They came from sources they said we don't know. The Lord is at work in this world. A month ago comes this lady from Algeria. I heard about her about, from a lawyer friend of mine, an immigrant immigration attorney. And he said, would you host this lady? My wife and I hosted her graciously. She spent about close to three weeks with us. For the first time, she saw what the church looks like. For this first time in her life, she was able to pray with a loud voice. But she said, I wouldn't go back to Algeria unless you baptize me. 
And on a Monday evening, we gathered about 10 people. We took her to my neighbor's swimming pool and we baptized her upon her confession of faith. And we sent her home. Now she's working on her husband and on her children. She's constantly in conversation with my wife. I know, folks, I took a long time, more than I was supposed to. Would you forgive me? Thank you for your gracious heart. I want to leave you with this one. Have you understood the omen that I was talking about earlier this morning, this evening? Does anyone wants to confess anything? I would probably call Brother Dale. Would you wouldn't want to come up this way, please? Brother Emmanuel. Joe, Brother Joe, please come this way. Brother Joel, if you're here, I would like for you, brothers, to just invite anybody that wants to come confess. If anybody wants just to cry to the Lord, I want you to pray for them this evening. We are men and women of prayer. Let's pray to our Lord Jesus. If something stirred up in your heart, let it come out to the Lord today. Put it on the altar. Burn it and let an aroma of the sacrifice of a beautiful aroma that the Lord would be pleased with it tonight. That out of ashes he makes of you gold. That you can go out with gladness. Free at last. In Jesus name. Amen. At this time if you want to just stand up and close your eyes. And just anyone feel free to come forward. Feel free to come forward. And brothers, I invite you just, uh, if people comes here, just go where they, wherever they at and they, as they come and just pour your arms around them and just let's pray together to our God. I thank you. Thank you, brother. Bless you.